0: We're going to open to Judges chapter 21. Um, Today we are going to conclude our series on Judges, and we're going to do it a little different. I'm actually going to spend very little time in the book of Judges, but we're going to wrap up this prone to wander series. Um, Next week we actually start a series in the book of John. We're going to go through the gospel of John, and it's going to take us some time. From uh, my latest calculations, we'll be in the book of John well over a year And it could push, with some of our breaks for things like Easter and Christmas and all of that, could push into almost the two-year mark of being in the book of John. Um, But we're excited. We're really excited about it. Um, But today, like I said, we're going to wrap up the book of Judges in our uh, short series in the book of Judges. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the book of Judges is a bit heavy, would you say? If you notice that? Like, there are a lot of sinful people Doing a lot of horrific, sinful things. We've talked about some of them. We've talked about some of the big stories in the Book of Judges. Some of the big things that happened in the Book of Judges: murder. We we mentioned the story that was that in uh, talked about child sacrifice, craziness. Samson, like uh, we didn't even touch on Samson's life really, and all the crazy conquests that that he was a part of. Right, donkey jawbones as weapons. The end of his life, right when he's put on display as sport for the Philistines, eyes gouged out. He's there with his hands on the pillars and he ends his life in this mass murder-suicide. Like there's just some dark, heavy things about the book of Judges. We've talked about the cycle of sin that you see throughout the book of Judges, right? Where, Where they're called to take possession of the land way back in Judges 1 and 2. They're called to take possession of the land and to drive out the inhabitants, this promised land that God gave over to them. Called to go in, drive out the inhabitants, to drive out the idols, and unfortunately they fail to carry it through. Time and time again they they succumb to idolatry. They fall into idolatry. They're serving other gods like the Baals and and the Ashtaroth, and, and they find themselves being oppressed by these nations. They cry out to God and God hears their cry, and he raises up a deliverer, this person who's a judge. And this judge then uh, is used by God to help rescue and free the people of Israel. But shortly after that, when the judge dies, they fall right back into that same old sin. Like we said week one, I think the best synopsis of this book is found in the very last verse. You turn to uh, Judges chapter 21. The very last verse says this in 25, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I think we've talked about that pretty extensively over the last few weeks. Israel over and over again did what was right in their eyes or they did what was evil in the sight of God. They wanted to do it their own way. I wonder if you can resonate with that a little bit. I so often do what is right in my own eyes. I so often do what is right in my own wisdom instead of adhering to and bowing to the word of God, his beautiful precepts and commands that he's given me. With the Israelites, it all started with their disobedience and and not driving out the opposing nations and their idols. They forgot who their God was and what he had done in Egypt. And thus, they forgot who they were, God's chosen people, who they were made to be. And even though Judges, as I said, is a heavy book, it is a bold and heavy book because of the sin that you see in the book of Judges. How many know that our sin is bold and heavy when we see it through the eyes of God? We talked about that. Like, do we view our sin the same way God views our sin? When God sees sin, it is evil, vile, gross, detestable. And sometimes I'm like the Israelites and I'm kind of rather nonchalant about it. Oh, messed up again. Oh, uh, I want to see it through the eyes of God, to see it for the gross, vile, detestable, evil things that it is. And thus, I think I'd be driven to drive it out all the more. But even though Judges, because of the sin, is a bold and heavy book, because our sin is bold and heavy, do you know what is even more bold and even heavier than sin? Mercy. Mercy. Heavy. Bold. Extravagant. Mercy. It's one thing I hope that you realized, one thing that I hope you noticed in some of the stories that we read in the book of Judges. Yes, it's a heavy book because sin is heavy, gross, evil, detestable, but what you see over and over again is God's faithfulness, God's faithful mercy towards his people when they call on him. We sing a beautiful song here at Mercy Hill my sins though they are many his mercy is more praise the lord praise the lord his mercy is more the book of judges is heavy but i hope that you've seen that his mercy is even more bold than our sin james chapter 2 verse 8 says If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors, okay? Talking about all of the law or one piece of the law. Verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder, If you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment without mercy is to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Praise be to God. His mercy is more. One of my favorite psalms in all of Scripture, Psalm 103. Verse 1, I, I can almost not sing verse one, uh, say verse 1 without singing it in my brain. So, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You guys know that song? I have to sing it like in a real churchy voice when I sing it. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Speaking of the mercy of God, who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles the lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed he made known his ways to moses and he acts to the people of israel, his acts to the people of israel verse 8 the lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger abounding in steadfast love our god is merciful when we call on him he hears our cries his mercy is more. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. Many of you know this is one of my favorite verses because I don't know how many sermons I've preached where I've somehow, some way worked this scripture into it because you see the gospel so beautifully here. Verse 1 says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, excuse me, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, whom, uh, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's pretty heavy isn't it? That's pretty, that's pretty heavy and bold. Children of wrath, that's who we were outside of Christ. And then get how bold this is. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved Our sin is heavy and bold. The book of Judges shows us that, but Judges and the whole counsel of Scripture also show us a mercy that is found in Christ Jesus that is even more heavy and more bold than our sin. Time and time again, Israel wanders away, right? Prone to wander served false gods, did detestable and awful things. They found themselves oppressed and in horrible situations. And when they cried out to God time and time again, he still has pity on them. He shows the mercy over and over again. He lavishes his mercy on them and forgives them. For you and me. I don't know where you're at right now with God. I don't know where you've been. Maybe you've been running. Just the like maybe like the prodigal son story right now is like super real in your lives. Maybe you're just kind of finding yourself. You're you're kind of running off. That 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 story baffles me. He looks at his dad and he says, "Give me my inheritance. I'm off. I'm doing my own thing." Like really, what he says is, "You're better off dead. You're more used to me dead. Give me the inheritance now. I'm gonna go do my own thing. I'm gonna do what is right in my own eyes." Maybe that's been you. You've been wandering, running off. Even in this service right now, you notice, you you sense the Holy Spirit beckoning you, calling you back, calling you away from your sin, calling you back into relationship with Jesus. Your sin may be bold, might be heavy, but the grace and the mercy of God and the love in which he loves you even in your sin. I pray that today that you would experience the boldness of his mercy, the lavishness of his grace, and that you would find yourselves home with Jesus. The Israelites, they wandered away, they served false gods, and God was faithful to hear their cry and forgive them. But for you and for me, There's even more. There's even more. Like, forgiveness, yes, but also power. Power to overcome sin. Power to not get stuck in the cycle of sin that we've been talking about. And it's all because of Jesus and his Holy Spirit, whom he gave to the church. I was reminded of this truth this week, actually a couple weeks ago. Uh, in our marriage study on Wednesday nights, we are uh, right now we're we're doing a marriage and family study on Wednesday nights. If you want to join us, come join us at 6:30. It's been it's been a lot of fun, great videos, great lessons, and great discussion afterwards. Um, I was reminded there's a quote that uh, Paul Tripp, he's the, the guy on the videos. Um, it says this: God knew that the domination of the selfishness of sin. it's okay, pretty heavy, right? Pretty bold. The domination of the selfishness of sin was so great inside you that it wasn't enough just to forgive you. He did something more. And he puts it this way. He literally unzipped you in God inside of you by his Holy Spirit. It wasn't enough just to forgive us. Not enough just to forgive. But he empowers us because his spirit, the living God, the omnipotent living God lives inside of his church. As I I hear that, I don't think I walk my daily life in that reality. That the omnipotent creator God lives, dwells inside of me. And he's given to me by his divine power, as we talked about last week, has given me all things that pertain to life and to godliness, to actually living a godly life in him in his divine power through the power of his holy spirit alive in me i lack nothing baffling is that my reality i think i would walk and step all more boldly if i could keep that truth at the forefront of my mind see without christ and without his spirit we are left to our own efforts Without Christ and without his Holy Spirit alive in us, we're left to our own strength and our own craftiness and our own striving and our own flesh. And our flesh is powerless over sin. It actually craves it. It actually longs for it. Our flesh actually gravitates to it. So why would I ever strive only in my flesh? You never battle with, with sin sometimes and you just like have to, like, oh, I just got to muster up a little bit more determination and I can beat this thing. In your flesh, you never will. On your own merits, you never will. But thanks be to God, we're not left to our own strength. Right? Bible says when we are weak, then he is strong. I'm just telling you, you're weak all the time. When it comes to sin, you're weak all the time. You need Jesus, period. You need the Holy Spirit alive in you, period. We, in our flesh, are powerless. over But God, Jesus Christ, he has conquered sin. And because of him and his Spirit alive in us, we too have power and freedom from sin beautiful scripture I was reminded of this week, Romans chapter 5. It's actually contrasting Adam and Jesus, okay? Sin and the Redeemer. Verse 12 starts here. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and there's Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death Reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those uh, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, but who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, looking towards Jesus. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of grace of that one man, Jesus, abounded for many. Praise God. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If you don't understand what justification is, that is a not guilty verdict because of Christ. I I one time had a very well-intended preacher. I, I think I may have told this story a long time ago. I was sitting on a parade route, I was sitting on a parade route, so I think it may be Labor Day or um, Memorial Day, Memorial Day parade, and there was a guy going up and down the parade route with tracks. He had a little suitcase full of tracks. He came up to me and he's like, Sir, can I ask you, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? I said, Yes, I would. He goes, Oh, you're good enough to go to heaven. I said, Well, no, but Jesus is. And because of that, I am. And he's like, You're not one of those Calvinists, are you? And then I was like, Okay, we're done. <laughs> Your righteousness is not in you. It's because of Christ. We are justified through faith in Christ, in his work. I say it all the time. His sinless life is not just the thing that you're supposed to strive to be like. It's not just your example. His sinless life is your righteousness. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are justified, declared not guilty before God. His work is what makes you able to stand as a sinner before a holy God who detests, hates, gross, vile, evil sin. You put your faith in Jesus, his righteousness clothes you, covers you. His blood that was poured on the cross atones and makes it whiter than snow. The work of Jesus Christ in it alone, the power of Jesus Christ in him alone is what conquers sin. The book of Judges is heavy Our sin is heavy, but thanks be to God, his mercy is more. The work of Christ is sufficient and full to redeem you and save you. Again, I don't know where you're at, but if you've been running, if you've been avoiding, if you've been dancing around, coming back to Christ, today I implore you, put your faith in Jesus. His mercy is more. Verse 17, continuing on in Romans chapter 5. I don't even know where I am right now. (laughs) For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. There's the power that is found in him. And like I said, it's not just power to forgive, but power to overcome, to actually walk by the Spirit of God. John chapter 14, He promises the Holy Spirit. We jump down uh, verse 15 and 16, it says, "If you love me, you'll keep my command, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever." Right Jesus is going away. He's promising his Holy Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows Him, but you know him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Speaking of the strength the power in Christ, and the power of the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those of us who live according, uh, excuse, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on what? On things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Some of you in this room, you're looking for life and peace this morning only found through the Spirit of God. From the mind that is set on the flesh, verse 7, is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Thanks be to God. See, because of Christ and his indwelled spirit, we have victory over sin, not just forgiveness, but we have power to live and walk in victory daily, every single day. We have victory over sin, the power by his spirit to walk not according to our flesh, but to the spirit of God. Thinking about Judges this week and wrapping up this book, right, we've talked about that cycle of sin right some of us were stuck in that cycle round and round and round feeling stuck like a carousel the carousel might be the worst ride at the carnival i i was trying to figure out i was actually going to research it this week how much money is spent on that stupid machine that just goes round and round and round the only one who likes a carousel is really really little kids because they don't know any better right Go on a carousel as an adult, like, you make one lap and you're like, okay, and now it's just awkward because you're, like, waving at the same people over, like, it's just. Some of us, we feel stuck in this cycle of sin. Sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance, peace, like, finally, okay, there's a breather, and then all of a sudden I'm right back in it again There's a circular nature to our sin oftentimes, and I think it's because we walk by the flesh. I think it's because we walk by the flesh. We gravitate. We stay there in the flesh, and instead of walking by the Spirit and the power of God that is supposed to be alive in us, we walk according to the flesh, and thus we find ourselves on the carousel of sin. But for the life of the believer... This, uh, it's not supposed to be a circle. It's, it's probably more linear in nature. It probably starts when we meet Jesus, when we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and we find a new life in him and now the life of the believer is supposed to be far more linear till the day we see him face to face. What a glorious day that'll be. Now, how many of you know it's linear, but it's not a straight line? <laughs> It'd be great if it was, right? There's just this, this constant incline going up, like every day is better than the next. No, that's not true, right? You, you know that, Some of you know that all too well that's not true. There are deep, dark valleys. But I, thanks, I thank God that I, do, I, I don't spin in a circle like I used to. And that actually in some of those valleys, some of those trials, even some of those self-made moments of detriment... God is still faithful in those moments to continue to sanctify me, to continue to, in those trials, to to renew me and to, uh, as it says in James, that I would be complete, lacking nothing, that He would continue to sanctify me even in those moments. We've been made to walk by the Spirit of God. And depending on your church upbringing, depending on your church background, sometimes when you start talking about the Spirit of God, it's a strange thing. Like it's this foreign thing. And, and, and really, like we've been made to be indwelled and to walk according to it. Uh, verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and here's quite a heavy, bold list. It says sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. How I long to be marked by those fruit. How awesome would life be if it looked a little bit more like that? The Spirit of God was given to you when you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Receive the Spirit by hearing with faith. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? How many of you gravitate that way sometimes? I think for a lot of my Christianity, a lot of my Christian upbringing, even I think sometimes when I was in Bible school, I forgot that I was dependent on the grace and the Spirit of God always. It was like I experienced the grace of God and I came to saving faith in Jesus and that was God's grace lavished on me, poured on me. Now it was my job to maintain it. It was my job to be I had to be good, I had to be right, I had to do the good things, I had to do the right things and I had to maintain it. And then all of a sudden, in about 25 minutes, I screwed up again. It only took that long, or maybe even less. Screwed up again, and now I had to go back to his grace. It's always his grace. Always his grace. Always his spirit. Every moment, every day. Verse 4, "'Did you suffer so many things in vain, "'if indeed it was in vain? "'Does he who supplies the Spirit to you "'and works miracles among you "'do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith?' just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as faith. The Spirit of God given to us when we heard the gospel of Jesus and received it by faith. So today, to conclude this short series, we need to get off the carousel. <laughs> we need to get off the carousel. And this word has been ringing in my ears all week long. Get off the carousel and abide. The series is called Prone to Wander, right? You ever have to look at a kid and say, hey, sit still. Stop it. Stay put. Stay close. You with kids, you know, you're, you know what I'm talking about. Um, sometimes I wish God would just look at me and say that. <laughs> hey, sit still. Just stay put. Stop wandering off. See, we're called to abide in Christ. Christ himself says it in the book of John. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Actually, I'll read it here in a few minutes. But instead of just constantly moving in the flesh, constantly going around and round and round and round, but if we were to just, to just sit and abide in Christ and abide in his spirit and abide in his word and abide in fellowship one with another, I think we truly would walk every step by the spirit. We'd still have our moments of struggle, of course, But I think if we were to just simply abide, but we don't abide. Um, I heard a pastor a long time ago say, um, stop trying to look like Christ and just be with Christ. Like, a lot of times we like want to, like we got to act like Christ. We got to be like Christ. So we try to look like Christ without ever just sitting with him and his word, without ever just sitting in his scriptures, without ever sitting with the author of his word, the Holy Spirit. Like when you sit with somebody, when you sit with him, he's going to change you, transform you, and you will look more like him. But instead we like just try to, you know, put on our Christian face our Sunday morning best and show up and everybody's wearing masks. Um, sorry, that's really bad. Too soon, right? Too soon. Um, we need to abide. And many of us, we don't even open our word. Like I, I said this a few weeks ago, this, this book that we hold in our hands, it. It's the only book that you're, it's, well, first off, it's the only perfect thing that we have in this world. Infallible, just perfect. And it's the only book where you get to meet with the author every time. Every time you open it. The Holy Spirit is right, it's, it's, this isn't a book of advice. This isn't a book of, of, uh, of just good Christian living. You're meeting with the Spirit of God every time you open it. We need to just simply abide, get off the carousel, get off the cycle, and abide with him and allow his beautiful word to wash over us. Wash over us, to sanctify us, to cleanse us. We see ourselves in the image of his word, right? James talks about it being a mirror. To see who we are, see the filth, and yes, he gets to work that stuff out in us and cleanse us, purify us, cleanse us, make us right. Right? And also it sees this, we see this reflection back that we're no longer children of wrath, but we're children of God, loved, so loved that he gave himself completely for us, so loved that he's got good and perfect gifts to pour out on us. What a beautiful thing. But we must abide in Christ, abide in his spirit, abide in his word, and abide in fellowship with each other. John 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Just as the, I have kept my commands, uh, my Father's commands, and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, when you use the word abide, a lot of times it feels real passive, right? Just stay put, just stay still, just... But there is an active quality to abiding. Uh, We were in Florida this last fall. We actually have uh, another trip planned here this week. Um, And the last time we were there, apparently there was a hurricane that made its way up into the Gulf. We were on the Gulf side. And uh, it was the one, I don't know if it was October, November end of October, November, and actually I think it maybe hit land somewhere in Louisiana. Far enough away where we didn't experience any rain, far enough away where we didn't get any of the the real bad weather, but the ocean was angry that day. (laughs) It's a Seinfeld reference for those of you. Um, The ocean was, it was like, it was crazy. I've never been in a situation like that where you would go out even knee deep and there was a rip current that was so strong. It, it, we, the first, like, five days there, we had to really keep an eye on the kids because we didn't want them getting swept away. And a lot of times when we think of, like, abiding, we think of it as very passive, but I, that, that, my, the, my, that, the idea of that rip current kept coming to mind this week. Like, how many of you know that there are currents in our, in our society, in our culture these days, and they are pulling and swaying, uh, tugging at us Daily? We've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. Like, our culture is trying to erode a lot of the um, very basic things to our faith. Some of the basic things that we hold, some of the truths that we hold on to, they're just trying to erode it. And if we are not abiding in our hope and stay, Jesus Christ Um, we will be swept away. If we're not abiding in his word and letting it wash over us and fill us with truth when there's so much noise and untruth out there, we will be swept away. If we want to walk by the spirit of God, we must abide in the spirit of God and abide in his spirit book, the word. As we wrap up this morning, and ask the band to come. They're going to play uh, another song like we do most Sundays. And, uh, and again, um, I just, I want you to respond however you feel led. But I want you to be faithful to that stirring, however you feel led. And there's a real, um, it's an interesting thing with, when you sense the Holy Spirit kind of stirring your heart towards something, maybe convicting you, maybe you you know, maybe, you know, maybe today I need prayer. Maybe I should ask the prayer team for some prayer. Or, you know, maybe I should um, ask my wife to pray with me or ask my kids to pray with me. Um, a lot of times it's easy just to kind of push that away and justify that. But, like, I want to be honest with the Lord even in those moments. That if he's stirring me to respond a certain way, that I would be faithful in that. So I would encourage you this morning, like, respond how the Holy Spirit is stirring you. If there's sin in your life, if you've been running, if you've been on that carousel of sin, you've been walking by the flesh, you need the Holy Spirit to empower you, to fill you so that you can be an overcomer in that sin, cry out to God. Your sin may be heavy, but his mercy is more. Understand, like, he do, like, the beautiful thing about God is he doesn't stiff-arm us. There's times where I'm upset, like, relationally. Like, I'm, like, my kids sometimes are stinkers. Sometimes they are. And it's funny because, like, in general, like, all they have to do is say sorry and just come running back to me, and it's like, it's all good. We're good. It doesn't take much. But even in me, like, like there's a humanist. like I got to make them prove something to me first. God is so gracious with us. If he's calling you back to himself right now, please respond and understand the lavish, amazing grace of our God. Get off the carousel. Walk by the spirit. Understand that he's given you the power to overcome. He lives inside of you today. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to stand. We're going to sing. If you need prayer, if you'd like someone to pray for you, there'll be folks in this corner over here ready to pray for you. Um, If you want to worship, if you want to pray together as a family in your seat, feel free to do that as well. Whatever it might be, we'll sing for a few minutes, and then Nate will dismiss us in a little bit. So let's just respond to God. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your amazing mercy, your amazing grace. God, how you love us so. And God, yes, The book of Judges is heavy because sin is heavy and there's a lot of sin in the book of Judges, but God, we also see the weightiness and the boldness and the power of your mercy. God, please be merciful to us. And God, let us turn back to you again today. There's folks in this room that have been running. God, call them back and help them to respond to you. God, I pray that we as a church would walk by your spirit every moment of every day that we would walk by your spirit and experience the victory in life that is found in you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing together.